Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a Life Less Ordinary, the travel show and podcast from your friends at The Wishing Well. 243 Neff Avenue in Harrisonburg and online at thewishingwell.biz. The Wishing Well is your ultimate luxury concierge travel agency. And A Life Less Ordinary is a travel show and podcast hosted by Terry Dean, bringing her over 40 years of experience in the travel industry to help guide you to great experiences in your travel, whether it be around the block, around the country, or around the world. Let's bring in Terry Dean and say hello. Hey, Chris, how are you? Well, we've made it to another one. It's a gorgeous weekend, oh, too. Oh, my goodness. I'm uh, telling you, the, the, the weather outside is picture perfect my stepson was upset a couple of mornings ago because he's like what happened to fall it's now winter and i'm like it'll be back yeah, yeah. It, it comes in tides in the fall for yeah. sure but it's beautiful the leaves fall and everything and it is it I, is i know we're going to talk about travel but when you've got a day as nice as this in the valley why go anywhere i know right but make plans Th- to go maybe next week kind of staycation you know <laughs> yeah. if you've got anything to do this weekend and you can do it while you're listening to us a life less ordinary we'd love to have you come and go along with us. We have a great show lined up for you today. So we've got some news to talk about. We do, yeah. Um, uh, First thing that we want to actually chat about and talk about in the news is something that Honestly, my jaw dropped when I first saw this headline this week, but um, American Airlines uh, came out and announced that they were dropping first-class cabins on their international flights. And that was a pretty startling headline. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, listen on and it will. Uh, They will soon no longer offer this first class on their international flights. And the carrier just this week said it was opting to expand its business class section on its aircraft. They're retrofitting the aircraft that they have to replace first class with an expanded business class on long-haul international service. And when I actually heard more of this, it started to make sense, Chris. American is making the move because of changes in consumer demand. And that's happened since COVID. Okay. You know, uh, not the least of which has occurred and is still an issue that the airline industry is dealing with is the uh, elimination of a lot of business travel. Business travel is really what kept first-class sections of airplanes filled. Oh, really? Yes. They're, they're, they're travelers, the sales staff, the executive staff of all of these companies that used to travel all around the world, uh, you know, that stopped. Is this because COVID. like everyone's doing the Zoom calls? Of course for work? it is. People okay. are working at home. And so it makes those coast-to-coast trips that business men and women would ordinarily do very unnecessary okay a zoom call is a whole lot cheaper (laughs) you know but yes the first class will not exist says american ceo on the 777 or for that matter at american airlines for the simple reason that their customers aren't buying it the quality of the business class has has improved so much and frankly by removing first class they can go provide more business class seats which is what the consumers really want most or are willing to pay for so these are going to go to two cabin aircrafts. What's what's the difference in seating from first class to business class? Very very little. Okay. Um, very often, especially on international flights, it may have something to do with first class having the lay flat or pod like mm. seats. Where business class may not, you may be sitting up, but still with all of the great amenities that a first class traveler would have, but just not the lay flat. Uh, But American goes on to say, essentially, the last U.S. airline that was offering a separate first class cabin from its business class offerings was American. And Delta rolled the first class into business class. This surprised me, too, in the 1990s. Wow. And United Airlines stopped selling first class 
flights in June of 2019. So now they are truly business class, uh, which really is, in essence, what we used to think of as first class. And it's worth noting that Americans' business class offerings are still what they say is high-touch experiences. Those are going to include a flagship suite that they're going to unveil in September. And that suite, which is going to feature on the carrier's new Boeing 787 and Airbus A30 321s from 2024, is going to be highlighted by those lay-flat beds and a privacy door. So this retrofit is going to start immediately, and American is on their way to becoming, as is Delta and United, a two-class cabin aircraft. Uh, we're speaking with Terry Dean from uh, The Wishing Well. This is a life less ordinary. And when you're telling me all of this information, I'm thinking, I keep w- having to walk through first class to get to the back of the plane where I normally fly. And That's always a little discouraging, isn't it? And I was hoping in all that you were going to say they were just going to like have a lottery and, and draw draw winners and move them up to the front row. Yeah, that's not happening, Chris. Okay. That's a whole nother show. Yeah. Now, the next thing I want to move on to for us today is uh, something that a lot of folks ask me about, especially when they have to connect or change planes, uh, and especially lately. People want to know what the are the worst and the best airports for cancellations and delays, and air travel in 2022 has proven awfully challenging. We know that, uh, with passengers often facing these long lines in security, crowded gate areas, they've got flights taking off well behind schedule, or sometimes not at all. And fortunately, there's enough data now on hand to determine the airports that you want to target and the ones that you might want to steer clear of if you can. Before we get the actual locations, does it have to do with the size of the airport or is it just... Not really. Some airports are better and worse than others. You know, I think it just has to do with... um, Maybe training. I'm not sure. Uh, luck of the draw with okay. if they have the right kind of people working the crews there at their airports. But the top airports across the country from June of 2021 to June of 2022 revealed uh, their uh, numbers and their data. And these are the 10 airports uh, that fare the best and worst when it comes to the flight disruptions right now. So we're going to take a look at those, starting with the worst airports. Let's just get those out out of the way, shall we? Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Sorry, Dallas fans. Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport International canceled the most flights across the country from June 2021 to June 2022. This happens to be, we had American as our first news story, happens to be America's hub. So if you are traveling, would be a good idea probably to avoid Dallas if you could. Chicago O'Hare International Airport, canceling three out of every 100 flights, puts them in the number two position. Denver International Airport, that's a United hub. So was Chicago, by the way. They saw more flights delayed than any other U.S. airport over the period from June 21 to June 22. And that means that over one-fifth of flights at Denver were disrupted. In terms of cancellations, only Dallas and Chicago fared worse than Denver did. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, Atlanta. Hartsfield uh, International Airport. This is a Delta hub. Um, Bustling Airport canceled the nation's seventh most flights and ranked fourth worst in terms of delays. And then Orlando International Airport, not really a hub. This is more of a destination airport. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is sad for Disney goers, but uh, while Orlando International Airport flight cancellations rate uh, isn't terrible, given the state of airports across the country, its flight delay rate of 27.1% is the second highest among the major U.S. airports that were examined, only behind Dallas-Fort Worth. Maybe the good news in this is that, at least with the airports that are hubs, it's not the same airline that's having problems in all of them. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, and and we've seen that. I mean, this you're, you're right. What a great point. You know, we really don't want to target any particular airline and throw rocks because, you know, staffing issues and those have been challenging for everybody. 
So, yes, you're right. I think every airline, all the majors are represented here very well. Because you mentioned American Airlines, and I, I fly in and out of Charlotte usually for my connection. Sure. And they've, I've never had any problems with Charlotte. Good it's, for you. you know, now, maybe I've just been lucky. But yeah, exactly. It seems like that one always yeah. is pretty good. Now, let's look at the best airports. Uh, if you have any plans in your near future to go to Honolulu, good for you. Hawaii was among the strictest U.S. state in terms of COVID-related travel restrictions, but the island's area accessibility uh, was the best ever in 2022, and travelers are going to be pleased to learn that Honolulu's International Airport is the nation's best airport in terms of flights, cancellations, or delays. I would expect no less from people who are living in paradise to have an airport that runs efficiently. Absolutely. It's wonderful, you know, and when you land and you know everything's going to be great from the start. Yeah. It just makes the whole vacation better. Oakland International Airport, uh, close to San Francisco, is actually one of three California airports and four along the West Coast to rank among the best for flight disruptions this fall. Way to go, Oakland. And then San Jose International Airport in the Bay Area uh, is one of the best for getting on your way on time, experiencing just 781 flight cancellations and fewer than 10,000 flight delays over this past year. That is a huge milestone. Hmm. And then following right along in California, Sacramento International Airport saw fewer than 800 cancellations. Portland International Airport, something about the West Coast, maybe. I was going to say, yeah. You know? Uh, But they typically have good luck flying into or out of Portland. Uh, The airport canceled just 1.6% of its schedule. So those are the top worst and best airports. Uh, Sadly, for the best airports, those tend also to be destination Mm -hmm. airports, not ones that you really transit through. But uh, nevertheless, that might be a good reason to plan a trip to California. Yeah. You know, who knows? Now, a couple of other things I wanted to cover uh, before we head on to the real show today, uh, and that is how cruise lines are enticing travelers right now to get back in Uh, the traveling spirit. Throughout 2022, Chris, the cruise industry has been in transition. We've talked a lot about that here on A Life Less Ordinary. We've even highlighted some cruising. We had some group cruises this past year. But just a few weeks ago, for example, Carnival's uh, parent company, Carnival Corporation, released third quarter results showing that occupancy levels among its brands, which by the way, let me just remind listeners, happened to be uh, Carnival, Princess Cruise Line, Holland America, uh, Viking, and Seaborn, just to name a few. I mean, all of those are umbrellaed under Carnival. Uh, they average just 84% during June, July, and August. And the summer's ticket revenues were also disappointing, perhaps most notably as the year draws to close. Bookings for the fourth quarter, uh, Carnival has said, are below the historical range and at lower prices. So they're they're squealing a little bit right now. And the industry's been rolling out all kinds of deals, discounts, and special promotions in order to help fill these cabins and strengthen relationships. It's a practice that continues now well into fall and we'll see this going into winter as well so i want to take a closer look at what's on the table for those that are interested in a cruise getaway just so you'll know what to look for uh there's a new program out there most cruise lines have adopted called buy now pay later uh, and the buy now pay later approach is made to sort of make that purchase uh, that's sweeping into the online shopping world for the last few years to become increasingly prominent in the cruise booking process. Allows people to book a cruise now and pay for it later via installment payments. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of neat, sort of akin to a layaway plan, yeah. if you will. So that's one. The airfare deals that they're adding to cruises also, uh, airfare is a big pain point right now. And some lines are offering free or discounted air inclusions. I want to remind folks that uh, October the 31st is going to be the last of those offers for some in the fall promotions. On Norwegian cruise lines, though, if sailings aren't necessarily generating as many bookings as hoped, the cruise line is going to offer two-for-one airfare deals in order to get travelers on the ship, and I think theirs is going to go through November. A lot of these are going to go away October 31st. Then there's complimentary land programs that the cruise lines are offering for travelers who might be flying 
to some of the far-flung European destinations to join a cruise, that freebie is a big draw. Viking is doing that right now. It allows cruisers to spend two, three, or four nights extra, maybe in a destination before or after a cruise, and the cruise line picks up the tab for those costs. Uh, this is a life less ordinary, and we are talking with Terry Dean. And uh, the cruise lines are offering uh, incentives to get us on board the, uh, throughout the travel season. They uh, really are, and another big draw now, which is you know pretty new uh, for cruise lines, is they're waiving some of the solo supplements. And what is that? Just say, Chris, you wanted to go on a cruise by yourself. Ordinarily, you got penalized for that. You had to pay rate and a half. Yeah. Now, some of the cruise lines are throwing that out, and they're charging just whatever it would be for you as an individual. Interesting, because I've noticed that uh, in a lot of different type of travel situations, they'll charge you for two or charge you for one and a half. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered, where am I giving them more to do? Yeah, well, it's know. real interesting. You know, this whole industry really is still in flux since COVID. And we're seeing a lot of evolution, you know, continuing throughout this industry. And, you know, cruise lines, tour operators, airlines, they're all really still kind of jockeying for foot position and a good foothold. So we don't know where all of this is going to turn out. As a matter of fact, how long is all of this with the cruise line's going to last? Well, the million-dollar question at this point, of course, is how long travelers are going to be able to see and expect all these deals and incentives. And the answer to that really is unclear. Again, everything is fluid. We just don't know. And you never know what's going to happen and what tomorrow is going to bring. At least for the moment, however, if you're interested in a last-minute cruise vacation and it's during non-peak season, which is now, Uh, then you certainly have deals out there to be had. Cruise lines have done a beautiful job in building an all-inclusive pricing option experience, including air, and that gives our consumers even greater value and an enhanced vacation experience. So I'm pleased to see this, but it really is still shaking out to see where's it going to land so we don't know and if you want to take advantage of some of those deals they should call you yeah they really should the wishing well is always so happy to help you with any of that that's going to wrap up our news today but if you are interested in reaching out to us we'd love to hear from you uh we are can be always reached at 540-908-2333 with any of your travel deals That's going to lead us right up into what is going to be the meat and potatoes of our show today, if you will. We're going to entitle this, because we're very close to Halloween. We're nine days away. We're nine days away. And I have to say, um, it's not my favorite holiday. I'm not so much into the ghoul. I never have been. So spoiler alert, we're going to bypass all that horror. But the show today is called House of Boo. So what we're really going to do here is visit some of America's oldest and perhaps even haunted hotels. Uh, And we're going to learn a little bit about their history and exactly what landed them on today's show. An interesting sector of the travel business. Yeah, it is. And a little bit interesting. This is A Life Less Ordinary. It's a travel show and podcast from your friends at The Wishing Well. And uh, we'll be back and talk more about House of Boo next. Protect your vacation investment with guidance from a travel professional. The Wishing Well knows travel and helps you avoid pitfalls that can spoil your hard-earned vacation. We'll plan your trip and have your back as you travel. All of this without support or so-called convenience fees. We're on the web at thewishingwell.biz or call us at 540-908-2333. That's 540-908-2333. The Wishing Well really does make dreams come true. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
Welcome back to A Life Less Ordinary, the travel show and podcast from your friends at the Wishing Well. And we're talking with Terry Dean. Uh, so, Terry, uh, a whole sector of the travel industry maybe people haven't thought of is old hotels and haunted houses. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is. I mean, it's a subject that actually becomes very appropriate to talk about since we are in this time of the year, close to Halloween. Where do you land? On the spooky movie subject. Oh no, I won't. I don't watch. Yeah. I won't watch anything. I watch stuff that's scary, but not anything that is of the occult. Yes, I nothing try to, paranormal. Yeah, I try yeah. to stay away from that. Same here. Yeah, it's not my favorite subject. Subject matter. I like happy things. Yeah, I like bright. I like the weather today. <laughs> One of the the, the <laughs> arguments I get into when it comes to this stuff is whether or not ghosts are real. Yes, and I my argument is. Why are ghosts wearing clothes? <laughs> it's kind of unnecessary, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if the clothes stay with the ghost, shouldn't the car still be with them or the house still be with no them? No kidding. It's like, it just doesn't make sense to me. You would think, I love the way your mind works, so Chris. I just, so that I, makes perfect sense to me. So I'm in the camp of, that was just wind. Okay, well, there you go. And I, I want to let you know that our journey is going to begin with some of the eeriest properties uh, that you might ever, never want to love. So uh, we're going to start out in an area of Texas around San Antonio, and we're going to go to the Emily Morgan Hotel. Just also happens to be a double tree, of all things. Uh, That's not so creepy, you know. But wait, there's so much more, (laughs) let me tell you. One of the first things to know about the Emily Morgan Hotel is that it was constructed during the Roaring Twenties. Flappers, the radio, and the Art Deco movement kind of defined the age. And the history of the Emily Morgan Hotel is kind of cloaked in some mystery and a little bit of fable. It was born of marble rock before it became one of the most luxurious hotels in all of San Antonio, Texas. And I will tell you, she's a beautiful hotel. Really, really beautiful. It's certainly notable before we move on to the stuff surrounding this hotel that it's uh, received a lot of accolades and recognitions, not the least of which is uh, its recognition in 1977 by the National Register of Historic Places as part of the Alamo Plaza historic district and that's really saying something because in comparison to a lot of other historic hotels the emily morgan hotel has only been in action since its grand opening in 1984 so that's saying a lot all right uh, maybe i didn't follow that it was it opened in 1984 but it was built in 1920s Yes, it was, and we're going to get to that. Okay. You'll, you'll see the history of how all that rolls in. Okay. But she's only been the Emily Morgan Hotel since 1984. Uh, I see. Okay. Uh, age is just a number. And I love know? the name, too. I know, right? Uh, but here's an accolade that raised a few eyebrows. In 2015, USA Today listed the Emily Morgan Hotel as the third most haunted hotel in the world. Okay. Yeah, you heard me. The third most haunted hotel in the world. So you want to hear the story? Yeah, I do. Okay. So in 1926, after two years of construction, the Emily Morgan Hotel was actually the medical arts building and was the first doctor's building in San Antonio in all of that city. Apparently, it was so large that it that nearly 100 doctors and office spaces for 400 people could be accommodated there. Wow. So it was a medical arts building first. And when it operated as a medical facility, the downstairs levels functioned as offices for the doctors, and then the top floors were used as the best working hospital in all of the city. So it was really a hospital kind of thing. The basement, though, was the facility's morgue. Um, as the story goes, the decision had been made to place the hospital and surgery space on the upper levels, this is gross, so that the smell wouldn't be locked inside as the windows could be cranked open for the relief of the stench. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though medical arts buildings continue their operations for the next 50 years or so, in 1976, it was converted to just an office building. Less than 10 years later, in 1984, it became the Emily Morgan Hotel. So, the Emily Morgan Hotel, what's in a name? 
Let's talk about that. When the Emily Morgan opened in 1984, it claimed the name of one of San Antonio's most remembered icons, the famous Emily Morgan. She was actually born Emily West, and she was born 1815 to 1891. She was a free woman of color who hailed originally from New Haven, Connecticut. And as a woman of mixed race during the early 19th century, it was kind of a custom to serve as an indentured servant for a period of one year to maybe a few years. And when Emily was 20 years old, she found herself contracted to a gentleman by the name of James Morgan. Now, she took his surname. That was also custom and was due to complete her time that she owed in that capacity in Morgan's Point, Texas, as a housekeeper at the new Washington Association's hotel. Things didn't go quite as planned, and definitely not as smoothly as Emily might have wished. Now, on April the 16th of 1836, only a couple of months into her contractual agreement with Mr. Morgan, Emily and some of her colleagues were kidnapped by the Mexican cavalry because there was a war going on for Texas's independence. Mm-hmm. You might remember that. Emily wound up the object of the Mexican general Santa Ana's affection. Now, legend has it that at a very critical time in the embroiled battle between Texas and the Mexican army, General Santa Ana was otherwise engaged with Emily Morgan in a way that he probably shouldn't have been at and shouldn't have and should have been at his post. But long story short, the Mexican army fell to the Texans and the rest, they say, is history. Emily's notoriety as the savior, really, of Texas independence was once again revisited during a mid-19th century song called, you might know this, The Yellow Rose of Texas. Yeah. Ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Although the correlation between that woman and the song has since been proven false, a lot of people still sing that anthem and give her credit for it. Now, let's talk about the superstitions and everything surrounding the Emily Morgan Hotel. After the Emily Morgan Hotel became the Emily Morgan Hotel, it's undergone quite a number of renovations and remodeling. However, Chris, there are two things that have never changed about this hotel, despite all the interior changes throughout the year. One is the first blank space between the 14th floor and the observation tower, where a clock was supposed to be installed at some point, but it never was. The second is that there is no true 14th floor because the 14th floor of the Emily Morgan Hotel is actually the 13th floor, Mm -hmm. but they won't call it that. If you're confused, don't worry. A lot of people are. But like a lot of public buildings across the nation and in the world, the Emily Morgan Hotel has chosen to forego the 13th floor in name of what can only be called superstition because, as it is, changing the 13th to the 14th floor really hasn't done much in the way of dissuading some phenomenons that take place at this hotel. At the historic Emily Morgan Hotel, all of the floors of the building are rumored to be haunted. Uh, With a past as fully operating medical center, which is how it began, you couldn't expect anything different, could you? I mean, it could happen. (laughs) So let's talk about the ghosts of this Emily Morgan Hotel. With its rather unique past, it should come as no surprise that the Emily Morgan Hotel is considered, again, one of the most haunted hotels in Texas. And according to a lot of reports, even some given by the hotel's own sales manager, the most haunted floors are the 7th, the 9th, the 14th, in addition to the basement. It's recommended if you're going to stay at this hotel and you really want that ghostly experience, the seventh floor is where you want to be. It was these particular floors that uh, one time functioned as the psychiatric ward, Mm -hmm. the surgical level, and the waiting area and morgue of this when it was a medical center. Okay, And at the Emily Morgan, almost all of the paranormal reports involve ghosts and spirits from days gone by when the building was the medical building. Some believe it may even be her 
I don't understand why someone goes and pays good money to stay in a room that that they Well, they do. I know they do. Let me tell you, and this is only one of several that we're going to visit on today's show, but guests have reported strange things occurring on these particular levels. The sensation of feeling something cold brush up against you, even as the lingering scent of medicine kind of settles in your nose. Up on the 14th floor, the scent is more, they say, overwhelming. Uh, the haunted 14th floor is generally, um, they say, the smell is acutely reminiscent of a hospital mm-hmm. if you're on that. Now, it's a double tree now, remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. But this is what you're going to get. And guests have reported to opening the doors of their rooms into the hallways to see a scene from a hospital waiting room right outside their door. And then a lot of customers who've stayed on this floor say that after that startling episode, they quickly slam their door take a deep breath uh, in the safety of their own room, and then they swing the door wide open again, and that ghostly image, poof, just vanishes by the second peek out into the corridor. And But that imprinted image is nevertheless part of their memory of staying at that hotel. Now, the other freaky-deaky thing that happens at this hotel is that the elevators have been reported to have a mind of their own. Um, Elevators might not be everybody's thing, but nowhere so much as the Emily Morgan. At this hotel in San Antonio, the elevators are known to ride up and down without a single rider on them. And when a guest does get on, they might as well be signing up for an adventure, they say, because the elevators will skip past the requested floor uh, as if they've never pushed their desired floor button at all. Sometimes even the elevator doors will cling shut and remain closed for hours and have to have intervention to open up. And perhaps creepier than anything else, it's common for the elevators to bring guests down, down, down to the basement level where the morgue used to be, the basement level. Today, that basement level is completely roped off to anybody who's not employed by the hotel. But even for employees, the basement is not a favorite place. Actually, for years, the basement was used, as told you earlier, as the medical's morgue and crematory. And uh, employees who have had work to do downstairs have experienced very strange number, uh, number of weird transpirings. They've seen glowing orbs that they've announced dancing in the air. They've <laughs> heard uh, disembodied voices that have no known source. None of this compares, though, to the stench of burning human flesh, they say. Terry. (laughs) I know, right? I I did not make this up. The the number of dead who were embalmed or who underwent autopsies in the basement of the Emily Morgan was probably somewhere in the hundreds, they say. And it should come as no surprise that many of the dead have remained in in that space. Now, down in the basement, the air reportedly feels quite heavy, and employees say they hurry up with their tasks if they have to be down there uh, because they want to get quickly up to the upper levels. And funny enough, it's been said that each floor of the Emily Morgan has its own distinct smell, but none so off-putting as that basement level. So again, it's the Emily Morgan Hotel, by Doubletree, you know, that friendly little hotel chain with those homemade chocolate chip cookies yeah, they're good that you cookies. get when you check in. So let me know if you'd fancy a night at this property in San Antonio, Texas. I think it's important for everyone to understand that the look on my face right now it's is a, a mix of disgust and doubt. But I know there are people who are thinking, you know what, that sounds aux- exhilarating. Right? Yeah. Yes, and if, not me. If that's you, then you yeah. should call 540-908-23. And asked to speak to Terry Dean. That is the Emily Morgan Doubletree Hotel in San Antonio, Texas. And I think that takes the top spot for the uh, most ghoulish haunted hotel that we'll talk about today. So we're listening to uh, Life Less Ordinary, a travel show and podcast from your friends at the Wishing Well. And Terry, uh, we maybe we will go to San Jose, maybe not. Depends on if I'm going to stay at the Emily Morgan. But there are more haunted adventures. There are. We're going to bounce from San Antonio, Texas now to the East Coast and right into the heart of New York City. We're going to take a trip into the Hotel Chelsea. Um, Now, the Hotel Chelsea is constantly listed as one of the uh, whole one of the sort of bugs me just how they even have 
anyway. It, How do they do this ranking? Yes, exactly. But the most haunted building in New York City, and for good reason, um, the Living with Legends Chelsea Hotel blog keeps tabs on ghostly encounters uh, throughout this property, which include the Sopranos star Michael Imperioli. Is that name ring a bell with you? Because I didn't watch The Sopranos, so it does not me. But he supposedly had a brush with Mary uh, from the Titanic, the Mary from Titanic, okay. uh, who survived um, her husband but died by suicide in her room after hearing her husband had perished. And she is often seen, they say, checking her appearance in mirrors there. Now, this is the hotel. The Hotel Chelsea is where Mary who survived the sinking of the Titanic, went and stayed after that episode. Uh, and she, as I said, survived her husband's death, mm-hmm. but then took her own life by suicide at this hotel. Another lingering spirit uh, named Larry the Hipster Ghost. I think that's hysterical. He's kind of a talkative guy. He's known for interrupting other ghosts as they try (laughs) to tell their story to uh, visiting mediums, and he just continuously regurgitates his endless stream of wisdom on whatever and whoever will listen to him. So he's there. He sounds kind of fun. He does sound fun. And then a number of strange deaths have actually occurred at this hotel could be the reason that the Hotel Chelsea is haunted, as they say, due to the amount of bizarre fatalities that have actually occurred here over the years. Uh, Welsh poet Dylan Thomas famously died in room 205 after saying he had consumed 18 shots of whiskey. His death was actually caused by brain swelling due to pneumonia. Hmm. Uh, so that's weird. And then Nancy Spungen was uh, infamously stabbed to death by Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols in Room 100. He actually died there four months later of a drug overdose. Interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of a sad story. But I have to tell you, if you want to feast your eyes on one of the most beautiful and historic hotels, honestly, take a trip to the Hotel Chelsea's website. Take a look at the gallery of pictures there. I mean, who wouldn't, if they didn't know the story and the backstory of this hotel, want to stay here? And for only about a cool $575 a night, you too can have your ever-loving wits scared out of you uh, if that's a haunted experience is what you're looking for. And Chris, when we come back, we're going to head down south and actually explore a hotel that just might not be able to let go of its previous owner and beloved pet. Uh, Today's show is a house of boo. House of boo. And this is A Life Less Ordinary, the travel show and podcast from your friends at The Wishing Well. Protect your vacation investment with guidance from a travel professional. The Wishing Well knows travel and helps you avoid pitfalls that can spoil your hard-earned vacation. We'll plan your trip and have your back as you travel. All of this without support or so-called convenience fees. We're on the web at thewishingwell.biz or call us at 540-908-2333. That's 540-908-2333. The Wishing Well really does make dreams come true. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to A Life Less Ordinary, the travel show and podcast from your friends at The Wishing Well. And we're talking with Terry Dean. Our show today is House of Boo. We've been to San Antonio, we've been to New York, and now where do we head? Now we're going to head down south. And, you know, I get it. This is not everybody's cup of tea, but really I want everybody to know this is really for fun today. These are real stories about Mm -hmm. these historic hotels. And so if you're you're not a fan of that, I completely get it because uh, Chris and I love you. We we sure are like like kindred spirits. (laughs) But this is also kind of a topic that's very on point 
for where we are yeah. uh, in the holiday season. So we're going to head down south now to a town that I love and I've been to many, many times in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and to Louisville's premier hotel, the Brown Hotel. It really wows with uh, just a grand, they've got grand guest rooms there and an outstanding lobby. And I can personally attest to the beauty of this property because I've stayed here a time or three and never knew this story. I never knew this story until I did the research for today's show. So maybe the story's not real. Right? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, So since, much doubt uh, coming So out. much doubt, yeah. And since the death, though, of original owner John Graham Brown, employees have reported unusual occurrences, including elevators mysteriously stopping on the 15th floor. That's where Brown and his dog once actually resided right there in the hotel. And it was in 1923 during the Roaring Twenties, we're back to that era again, uh, when the Brown Hotel was built. And it was the place to be seen if you were someone in politics or society. There were 16 floors with more than 600 guest rooms, uh, along with the ballroom. They had meeting rooms, restaurants, and bars on premises. And owner James Graham Brown resided in the hotel on the 15th floor in what they called the penthouse. Uh, more than $4 million was spent on this hotel during the 10th month construction of the hotel. And remember, we're talking the early 1900s during a very bad time economically for the country. And James Brown is building a four-plus million dollar hotel. Hmm. Yeah. That was ambitious. And the former prime minister of Great Britain, David Lloyd George, was actually this hotel's first registered guest. Hmm. So you get the picture. This is a fine, actually very fine hotel property. Mm -hmm. Dinner dances were popular uh, in the 20s, and the Brown was the place to go with more than over 1,200 people attending any event at any evening in this place. And then came the Great Depression. And with all the hard times, the Brown Hotel actually uh, fell in disrepair. And employees worked, though, in 1931 without wages just to keep the doors open. The Great Flood then of 1937 flowed into the first floor of the hotel, just wrecking it. And the hotel rebounded, though, during the 1940s. And with Fort Knox located south of the city, an influx of servicemen passing through there stayed here uh, at the Brown Hotel en route to war assignments during World War II. And when Brown died in 1969, that's not that long ago, mm -hmm. the hotel really went into sort of a death spiral, they say. It was closed permanently in 1971 and then sold to the Jefferson County Public School System as a home for its Board of Education. And several hotel chains have opened the structure ever since then, uh, since the 1980s, but then in 2006, uh, it actually reopened again. But rumor has it that James Graham Brown decided to stay on after his death. They're sure of that. And although the 15th floor is not open to guests, employees and staff have reported seeing footprints actually appear in the dust on the floor when they've been on the 15th floor. Guests occupying rooms under that penthouse on the 15th floor, on the 14th floor, report being awakened by sounds of heavy furniture being moved up and around on that uh, in the penthouse. And the elevators are known to stop randomly on the 15th floor, although no one ever gets on or off. Hmm. Uh, there have been reports of the smell of cigar smoke lingering in the air throughout the hotel, although it's a completely designated no-smoking hotel. And employees have spotted Brown sitting on the second-floor mezzanine watching guests. And if he's approached, he steps behind a column and disappears. Cold spots are common on the mezzanine, and it's said that he really comes to life during the weeks in April, just before the Kentucky Derby. Mm. And today, the hotel once again welcomes guests with the aura of a bygone era and is known worldwide for its southern hospitality. I've stayed here at the Brown Hotel. It's a beautiful hotel, and I've never noticed any cold spots, <laughs> and I've never smelled any cigar smoke. Uh, it's just a beautiful hotel. 
this is a life less ordinary. Uh, we're talking with Terry Dean. Uh, House of Boo is our uh, our subject today. Uh, one of the things that all of these hotels have in common is they were built back in the twenties. You know, it does seem like that, doesn't it? They're those uh, those hotels that just look like what you would imagine in a movie of you know, yeah, the, the dream come true hotel. Yeah, absolutely. But they've got these horrible backstories. Yeah, and I I really wonder sometimes if it's not the hotel themselves pushing these stories because it gets people interested in well them. i think it is and you know particularly this time of year mm-hmm. you know it's fun to just sort of capitalize on those stories and make it fun for people to come and stay and at a time when and we've talked about this here on the show at a time when we're in shoulder season when a lot of hotels cruise lines airlines they're they're all kind of hurting for business it's fun to sort of capitalize on a yep. story about the hotel and as you said invite people in for the experience it's whether it. it's true or not it's the old pt barnum that's exactly right yeah. you know and and I, I loved putting this together today because I, I actually found out a lot myself about some of these hotel properties and looked a little deeper into uh, San Antonio and the Hotel Chelsea and again the Brown Hotel in Louisville Kentucky all places that I've been to before in my career but never really knew the backstory of these hotels which I think makes it ever so exciting to know about So where do we head next? So the next hotel is the Gettysburg Hotel. We couldn't leave this one off. It was actually not constructed in the Roaring Twenties, but in 1797 in the center of Lincoln Square, just a couple of blocks away from the infamously haunted Gettysburg battlefields. A lot of historians and people of this time uh, tell that the monumental battle of Gettysburg took place all over the city and not just on that designated battlefield. Uh, and in the 1890s, uh, the actual hotel and building of the Gettysburg Hotel uh, was built, and the name stuck throughout the majority of the 20th century. And by the time the 1900s arrived, the Gettysburg Hotel was ahead of its time. It had electric lights, hot and cold baths, steam heat, and an excellent restaurant built right in. In 1955, this hotel became the temporary White House. I was excited to learn this fact. It became the temporary White House to President Eisenhower as he recovered from a heart attack he suffered while in Gettysburg. And the president and his wife were the last guests of that hotel in 1964 before the hotel was closed. Uh, The building lay dormant and was unfortunately ravaged by a fire in 1983. I didn't know that. Uh, It's long sat abandoned. Uh, and that was kind of a testament to the wild past of Gettysburg. It was, however, rebuilt in 1991. Now, that hasn't been long ago at all. And now it offers guests about 119 rooms to choose from, as well as all the modern conveniences of a large hotel that you would think of that you would need in a historic sort of boutique setting. That hotel is now listed as one of the historic hotels of America, and it's protected. Um But the hotel haunts, uh, talk about that for just a minute. They're kind of steps away from a massive graveyard uh, associated with the Gettysburg battlefield. And soldiers who were injured during this battle were actually brought to the hotel for medical treatment because, like a lot of other buildings of its time, it was used as a makeshift hospital for wounded and dying soldiers. Uh, That's kind of a neat history of this hotel. But doctors and nurses cared for thousands of reportedly injured men and women at this hotel and many of them succumbed to their wounds right within the hotel's walls. Uh, The hotel staff and guests alike have reported seeing apparitions of uh, Civil War time soldiers in the hotel halls. And one of the most popular ghouls is the spirit of Rachel, Uh, they call her. She was a Civil War nurse who cared for the wounded at Gettysburg Hotel. And this was kind of creepy. The guests tell of seeing this slim woman kind of roaming around in the halls there, seemingly searching for somebody. She's even known to sort of rummage through and empty your dresser drawers Mm. and your luggage. And the hotel is not her only stomping ground, apparently. She's also been noticed walking the streets of Gettysburg, looking for soldiers to tend to, they say. Two other apparitions are said to haunt 
Mont the quaint hotel. That's a woman and a soldier seen dancing hand in hand in the hotel ballroom. And they don't know the identity of this young woman and her beau. Uh, they're unknown. Uh, one wonders who these two lovebirds might be, but perhaps a stay at the Gettysburg Hotel could answer those questions for you, Chris. But don't be surprised if you find your clothes thrown all over your room because of Rachel. I would pack my stuff and get it. I, I don't even know if I'd pack my stuff. I would just get... I went to Gettysburg when I was a kid with my my, my grandmother, and they. I think Gettysburg might be the one place I believe is haunted. Yeah, it, you know, I, I think that's probably... Uh, pretty close to the truth. So um, the Gettysburg Hotel is nearby a few very haunted location, such as Sachs Covered Bridge. Now that's the site of Gettysburg's uh, nastiest haunts. And the, the scenic bridge is rumored to be the place where three Confederate soldiers were hanged for attempting to desert uh, the Battle of Gettysburg. And nearby is also the Jenny Wade House, which was the home of a 20-year-old seamstress who lived in Gettysburg at the time. And her sister had just given birth a few days before the battle broke out. And Jenny came to stay at this house to get away from the dangers of the battlefield. And historic records state that on the morning of July 2nd, 1863, uh, Jenny was downstairs making bread when a stray Confederate bullet came through two separate doors, it hit her in the back, pierced her heart, and killed her instantly. And her family wrapped her body in a quilt and carried her up to the home, uh, home's basement where she lay until the fighting finally was over. Very sad story. When I was a kid, we went and you could see the holes in the doors from stray bullets that would. So you actually was in Gettysburg. Oh yeah, and saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the Jenny Wade House, the okay. famous Jenny Wade House, and then the Gettysburg Battlefield itself. I already told you is also just a few blocks away from the Gettysburg Hotel, said to be one of Pennsylvania's most haunted locations. Actually, the entirety of the battlefield is drenched in blood, and all across the battlefield come reports of malfunctioning electronics apparitions, ghoulish sounds, drum beats, and disembodied voices. Some of the most haunted spots on the battlefield include a place called Devil's Den, which is the name given to a rocky ridge that was covered in large boulders south of Gettysburg on July 2nd. That den would earn its keep uh, as belonging to the devil himself. And on that second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, the small area surrounding the rocky formation bear witness to intense fighting as part of General Robert E. Lee's flank attacks. The Den was one of the few battles that was won by the Confederacy, and the battle for the Devil's Den laid to rest 1,800 of their own soldiers as well as 800 Union troops. Very sad stories there. Um, but the boulders themselves hold marks for soldiers foot traffic, and gunfire, and visitors to the den report seeing soldiers in Civil War uniforms appearing and disappearing as soon as they're spotted. And there's certainly a lot of uh, history in the Gettysburg area. Uh, my dad was a big Civil War fan, and I know spent uh, a lot of time in Gettysburg, but never really reported seeing anything yeah. unusual. It's sad history, though. It is very sad history. Yeah. yeah. And with that sad history, sometimes I think people attach stories to that that bring us to where we were today with our show and our episode, A House of Boo. But nevertheless, I mean... Well, I can remember as a kid, I was a Girl Scout, and I can remember one of the things that we would do when I was a kid within the Girl Scouts is we'd go camping mm -hmm. sometimes. And what did you do when you sat around the campfire? You told stories you like told these. You told ghost stories, <laughs> exactly. And so just think of this today as us sitting around the campfire telling old stories about hotels and haunted homes and haunted reasons to go check out some of these locations. Uh, again, if you'd like to take a trip to visit any of these locations we've talked about today, you can call Terry at The Wishing Well. Phone number is 540-908-2333. We are located at uh, 243 Neff Avenue in the Valley Center. And you can look us up on the web. We're at the wishingwell.biz This has been a Life Less Ordinary the travel show from your friends at The Wishing Well at 243 Neff Avenue in Harrisonburg. If you have any questions on topics discussed today, please reach out to The Wishing Well online at thewishingwell.biz or 540-908-2333 Past episodes are available on the iHeartRadio app and we'll see you again next Saturday morning at 10 for a Life Less Ordinary from The Wishing Well
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.